superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This, this, check this out. This is the Rich Eisen Show. When Odell takes the field, it will have been what? Yeah, 500 plus days. Since he's played a football game. The Rich Eisen Show. Ravens gave him 15 million bucks. And the Giants are like, yeah, do we give Saquon Barkley 15 million a year? That's what they're thinking. Today's guests, the Fire Pit Collective golf writer, Alan Shipnock, NBC Sports Boston Patriots insider, Tom Curran, from FX's Justified City Primeval, actor, Timothy Oliphant. And now, it's Rich Yes, Eisen. we're back after a long weekend of so much fun hey. on our sports television Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, watching us on Roku. We say hello to everybody out there. We're very excited to have you here on the Roku channel, free on all Roku devices, select Samsung, smart TVs, Amazon Fire TV, the Roku app, and the RokuChannel.com is how you can watch us every day, live between 12 and 3 Eastern time. We say hello to those listening to us on Terrestrial Radio, Sirius XM Odyssey, our podcast as well. Uh, 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on this program. It is Open Championship Week. Uh, and so we've got our friend Alan yes. Shipnuck from the Fire Pit Collective joining us to see what's going on from the uh, the world of golf, from uh, from what we saw over the weekend in Scotland, where they call it golf without ah. the L. Uh, Rory McIlroy <laughs> with a big W going into the Open Championship week. Steph Curry winning the uh, the celebrity tournament that went down in Tahoe. Uh, the old Stableford said so he he can do well with the uh, the NBA point system and the Stableford uh, scoring system <laughs> as we all as we all saw over the weekend, um, and so Alan Shipnuck will be joining us to talk about that. Uh, our number three, one of our favorites from back in the day on our podcast on um, back on the uh, NFL Network. Um, he set the record for most curse words in the history of the Rich Eisen <laughs> podcast from which sure this did. show was born sure about did. 10 years ago. Timothy Oliphant will be here on this program. He is in the new uh, uh, FX Justified City Primeval. He's back again yes. as, as Raylan Givens, and um, we're excited about having him here on this program. Uh, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Tommy Curran will be the first up. Uh, to talk football on this program uh, from uh, NBC Sports Boston, where the Patriots lost out on DeAndre Hopkins over the weekend. And we also have our eye completely trained on what's going down in the, in, uh, the world of uh, uh, the franchise tags in the NFL. There is a 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. One hour after we go off the air, it'll be up to the Giants and Saquon Barkley to figure out a long-term deal, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders to figure out a long-term deal, and it appears Tony Pollard and the Cowboys will not figure that out and Pollard will play on the franchise tag. He signed that tender lickety split uh back uh in the spring and uh, he'll be making 10 million bucks, 10.1 million, don't want to short him uh every penny. So we'll keep an eye on all of that to to uh as you know we've been quite zeroed in on the uh, the running back market uh, of late here when we've been talking about the uh, the NFL. Good to see you over there, Chris Brockman. How are you, hey, sir? Hey, Rich. What's up, man? Uh, DJ Mikey D is in D's Nuts is not here today. Jason Feller, good to hey, see you here at the up? top of hey, the work week. Thanks for having me on. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, good to see you over there, TJ Jefferson. Hey. Is candle already lit? Good morning, chef, and the candle is lit. Okay, so... You've been watching the bear? Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, I, you know, I'm okay, always watching good. the bear. Uh, so let's let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins, who said he wanted to go to a team with a stable uh, quarterback mm-hmm. or a stable coaching staff, and he wanted to go to a team with a championship defense, and he chose the Titans. <laughs> no, hey, look, you, you, you're laughing. <laughs> yeah. And you, you're yeah. laughing. You're laughing. Uh, you're yeah. laughing. Let me, yeah. let I'm me, not the only one, by the way. Let me put a little bit of respect on the Titans' name, and okay. I understand I, I've said that the wrong way, but – um, let me just put a little bit of respect on what's going on in Tennessee. Mike Vrabel is the um, uh, coach of the year in the National Football League, one season removed. He didn't forget how to do it. 
And last year, the Titans, we all know, fell off a cliff. But they, like my Jets, had major quarterback issues. And it was just two playoff seasons ago that Ryan Tannehill did have that fourth seat at the AFC Final Four table, divisional playoff weekend table, that we've been talking about uh, for uh, two seasons now. That you've got um, our friend Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow having three of those four seats, and we're assuming they're going to have that situation again this year, and we all know the problem with assuming. But last year it was Trevor Lawrence who had the seat because the Jaguars made that run to – overtake the Titans who had a dreadful quarterback scenario and the kid from Liberty Malik Willis who wasn't ready to play and they went they turned to Joshua Dobbs in the last two weeks of the season trying to make the playoffs with Dobbs Tannehill's back people Tannehill is back and is that supposed to be inspirational hold on a second you could do a whole lot worse than Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Derrick Henry. That's true. That's not bad. Yeah, you can okay. also do a whole lot now, better. I know. I understand fair, that. Fair, high register. I understand <laughs> that. I understand it. But he wanted to get paid, clearly. And the Titans were willing to get him in the neighborhood of Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract. And it appears it's two years, $26 million. He can get up to $15 million this year with incentives. And whatever those incentives are, as long as he stays healthy and Derrick Henry provides that rushing attack that we're all expecting him to provide, and Tannehill stays healthy, one would think Hopkins is going to make that money. And the Titans needed him, folks. Did you know, prior to DeAndre Hopkins' agreement in principle and signing, did you know who on the Titans team had the most career receiving touchdowns did you know again who in the titans organization i'm giving hints with the way i'm phrasing it talking currently had the most currently mike vrabel correct the coach eight for eight and you want to include playoffs it was 12 hey mike vrabel the coach the linebacker, who is Brady's favorite gimmick touchdown maker. This is not helping your argument. <laughs> what I'm saying is Whatever they needed making, him. This no, helping. I'm saying they needed him. And in the they same way that the Ravens needed, up. the same way that the Ravens needed to get Odell Beckham Jr. in the fold, not only for Lamar to see that they mean business, about changing the way that they're operating on offense while Lamar was still out in the cold. Having another voice look into the camera and say, Lamar, come in from the cold, other than anyone in management. And to give the impression to the rest of the free agent world, the rest of the wide receiver world, guess what? We are not the end of the line here. We are not the place where you go to get no catches, the place where you go to not get yours, uh, we're flipping a script. So we'll pay Odell more than what you think he is worth because he's worth more to us. Same thing with DeAndre Hopkins and this Titans team. Did they desperately, desperately need him? Now, your point, TJ, is this team with DeAndre Hopkins might just be pouring a glass of wine in their ocean of mediocrity. It's a little glass of water. Just putting in a bucket of water. It just doesn't make any difference. It just, it gets lost. And, you know, the Titans, as you know, um, and their fan base in Tennessee, they soak in that uh, disrespect. They soak that stuff in. So now the battle is joined a little bit better by the Titans. They can tell their fan base we're trying to win. They did know they had a problem at that position, and they spent it on the best player available at the position, DeAndre Hopkins. Is he going to be Julio Jones plus? 
Is he going to be the D-hop that we all have come to know and see? The guy who gets his feet in every single time? The guy who grabs every pass? Can he actually be better than what we've seen in Arizona the last couple of years? And Rich, can I preface this by saying a lot of this is me being bitter because he didn't sign with my team, so that's why I'm kind of upset. Right. You know, But he is everything that we think he no, is. No, and I know, I, and, and but you on the Cowboys – did not want to or can't because you know you got to pay some other guys. You can't pay him what the Titans just did. No, and I'm, he just he went to go find a spot where he feels he can win, mm-hmm. maybe not win it all, but don't tell that to the Tennessee Titans as they start camp this week. But we as fans looking at it, and we're talking about uh, AFC East, the way that's constructed with Rodgers in it now and Mahomes – as we're learning, is the red ass who basically screams at Max Crosby, you messed with the wrong MFR. You're like, where did that kid come from? Multiple well, times. he's been there the whole time. Okay. We're assuming Denver's improved. We're assuming Deshaun Watson and the Browns are going to improve. We're assuming the Ravens are going to be better. We're assuming Burrow is going to be Burrow. And um, Steelers are going to pick it right. up. Right. And you put it all together. And sure enough, boom, the Titans just didn't make much of a difference. They just reshuffled their AFC South deck chair. And I get it. I understand it. They needed it. They got to pay him. And the question is, what happened to New England? Why didn't he go there? Did New England not pony up for him? Did he not really consider them? Was Were, were the Patriots just something to go ahead and create a market where the Titans had to pony up? Is that what happened? Did he have no intention of signing there? Was he interested in that? How did the Patriots woo him? What happened? Because they could use him too, unless they're just going to go into the season with their usual, which is opportunistic defense, special teams that makes you make the mistake, situationally smarter than you, running backs for days, uh, and a quarterback who shrug emoji in year three, we're assuming Bill O'Brien makes him better. Who are you going to be, as we heard last week from Damian Woody on Friday, circling in a defensive meeting saying, this guy can't beat you. Is it Juju Smith-Schuster? Is it Devontae Parker? I'll tell you what, if they had DeAndre Hopkins, you'd be circling him. And in this AFC East that is vastly improved, can the Patriot way get them to where they want to go? And that's essentially, with DeAndre Hopkins choosing Tennessee and Vrabel and what they have cooking over New England, is it just the money? Why didn't New England pony up the money if they could have used him? They're not as desperate. Like, for instance, Belichick, as of today, doesn't have the most receiving touchdowns of anybody (laughs) on the team. (laughs) That's funny. As Tennessee had with Vrabel until DeAndre Hopkins signed, right? So, by the way, anyone wants to know, he's 60 clear of Vrabel in career touchdown receptions, 72 to 12. Um, Hopkins over Vrabel. But what I'm saying is everything that I just said, can the Patriot way be the way for the Patriots to show they still have what it takes to win a division when you've got Buffalo, the Jets, and Miami having, on paper, for sure, a much more explosive situation than what New England's bringing to the table when they play you in 2023. And if not, is this really a clock that could strike midnight for Bill Belichick in New England? As you've been pointing out, Chris. And reports... Where was that report that Belichick's friends are nervous his seat is hot? Oh, I saw that over the weekend. So Tom Curran's going to join us, as always, to set records straight. Overreaction Monday, as always, with this being a Monday, I have a top five list. Let's go. Top five quarterbacks in need of a bounce back season in 2023. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are opening training camp on Wednesday. A date for hard knocks has been set. August 8th, Tuesday after Hall of Fame weekend. Let's go. 
Timothy Oliphant in studio in hour number three. We've got Tom Carr in hour number two, but let's take a break. What did we learn from Capitol Hill's grilling of two PGA Tour executives last week going into Open Championship weekend? If you recall, the Live Tour and the PGA Tours shocked everybody on the doorstep of the U.S. Open. Now here comes what used to be called in my day uh, the British Open, but now is now called the Open Championship, which I'm sure it's been called ever since Braveheart grabbed a nine iron. Mm -hmm. But that said, it's called the Open Championship Week. And yeah, by the way, it's a great it's a great that's kid good. song. That's good. Um, that's just like on you know, Kids Bop. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah like what Grandma got run over by a reindeer right, right, right. is on the flip side of <laughs> when Braveheart grabbed an iron arm. Uh, let's take a break. I think it's the same tune. Uh, Alan Shipnook of the Fire Pit Collective, the best-selling author about Phil Mickelson, coming up next. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Back here on the program, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Alan Shipnuck of the Fire Pit Collective will be joining us in a matter of moments here on the program. Um, we got lots to talk about here. Lots going on in the in football world. We're ready to go. You could feel it, right? I can feel it. <laughs> it's getting close, man. It's close. Oh, where did you so, put that? Well, so, oh, did Mike move it? Uh, oh. No, it's all right. For I can you. feel it. There you go. <laughs> It's coming. Otani watch, 15 days to the oh, deadline. Geez. We'll talk about that. How about Otani, man? Homer was number 34? 34. 34. It's a home run, and it was one of those, oh, well, that's not nice. They're up 8-3, to three and, and then they, they lose 9-8. And then the Yankees. The Yankees are 6-over now or 5-over now? 6-over. And it's tied for last place. If they're yeah. in the American League Central, we're sitting here thinking, well, they just got some time to work out the kinks, but you know, when yep. they're gonna, not you know, make the playoffs. But in the, the American AOE's League East, man. it's just not like, okay, you're out, and now, but they're just, you know, you're just two out of the the wild card. Yeah. The Astros are beginning to figure it out, which yep. is a problem for the rest of the American League. Yep. Although Framber Valdez is injured. I got you, but. but. They, they, don't they have like 15 guys in the minors who sound like the name Framber Valdez that are going to come up and pitch like Framber Valdez? Uh, the Orioles. <laughs> Everybody. And the Orioles keep bringing up. You know who keeps bringing up people? The Reds keep bringing up people. I know. And I'm like thinking to myself, when are the Yankees bringing somebody up? Well, the, Ori the Orioles now have the number one prospect in baseball, and he might get Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's yeah, Matt Holiday's kid's coming up. He might get called mm -hmm. up soon. And, and, and then, you know, hey, look at these teams getting all these top picks, and they're finally they're finally coming around. Yep. Reds and Orioles. That'd be a fun World Series, by the way. Two fan bases that would just be losing their friggin' minds in these two great ballparks, right? A lot of young kids. Let's go. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial right here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. It's Open Championship Week. Uh, coming off of the uh, the big weekend victories by Rory McIlroy and Steph Curry. I never thought I would say that in a sentence, but it's the truth. <laughs> Does Rory get a bid now? Is he in the open? Who? <laughs> I mean, sorry, is, is, Steph? Steph, is Steph in the open? Uh, I mean, the, I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't want him showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is the Live Tour trying to get him? You know, the that would be amazing. Yeah, maybe he'll be in the Flaming Baskets. <laughs> is that the name of his team? Offer Steph ownership the of the team baskets? and let's go. 
That's funny. Joining us right now from the Fire Pit Collective um, and the author of a must-read book on Phil Mickelson uh, is Alan Shipnuck back here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, is is the Live Tour offering Steph Curry a team now? What do you think? What do you got for me on that, Alan? Any I mean, reporting? It, it it's not a bad idea. That that walk-off eagle by Steph was absolutely electric and lit up social media like, like few things ever do in golf. So, uh, I mean, it is interesting. Steph has talked about wanting to play the senior tour when he, when he turns 50 and various jocks have said things to that effect, but I mean, he's got a chance. The guy has, he has club head speed. He obviously has a great touch and he just has a unique mind for competition. So it's a fun thought exercise. That, yeah, I mean, 15 years away, but I'd love to see it. Yeah, how many sports can somebody have elite knacks for meeting the moment and having big moments from like an ace over the weekend, then obviously an eagle to win it? Um, that that was awesome to see. I mean, that was a lot of fun, to say the least. A lot. Of- um, so w- w- let's let's jump into the uh, the world of the Live Tour and the PGA Tour. It was on the outset of the U.S. Open when the uh, merger, don't call it a merger, and now agreement to have an agreement was uh, shocking everybody. Um, wh- where does that stand right now as we're uh, hitting Open Championship Week, Alan? Well, the big development uh, since then, uh, of course, were the Senate hearings. Um, the hearings themselves were somewhat uneventful, but the document dump that accompanied uh, the hearing, you know, 276 pages, uh, there was a lot of nuggets in there. I mean, the big revelation was that uh, Yasir Al-Rumayan, who's now the biggest shot caller in golf, was sort of sacrificed Greg Norman at the altar to, as part of this deal, which was not a shock, but to see it in the black and white of a, of a, a Senate subcommittee appendix was interesting. Um, uh the testimony from Jimmy Dunn, who was representing essentially the PGA Tour and this new entity, it was revealing because he was pretty clear, like, they have a long way to go to get this deal done. And the tour, their their primary motivation was to end the litigation, which that was successful. The, the lawsuits were dismissed with prejudice, it means they can't be refiled no matter what. And so on some level, the tour has already accomplished what they hope to Um how this framework agreement becomes something definitive, it's going to be very tricky, very painstaking negotiations. And LIV, last the public investment fund, clearly has the upper hand here because if if the deal is not consummated and things just go back to how they were beforehand, LIV is in a much stronger position because there's going to be this push to get world ranking points for Live Golf. That that's what I was spelled out in the framework agreement. That's been one of the biggest things that's reduced its credibility. And more to the point, all the players who stayed loyal to the PGA Tour, the tour was not loyal to them. So now there's no incentive whatsoever to, to say no to any Live offers that could be forthcoming. So, you know, Live could finally get the players it's always wanted, the John Rahm, Sadeki Matsuyama, you name it. And uh, why, why should these guys turn the money down when Jimmy Dunn and Jay Monahan and the whole tour infrastructure was happy to take the money in the end? So hmm. um, there's a lot of pressure on the PGA Tour now to get this deal done, and Live clearly isn't can ask for things um, that they've always wanted, or the public investment fund that is, and um, and it's going to be it's going to be very fascinating next few months to see what happens. Yeah, because. You know, Jimmy Dunn and the PGA Tour have basically said they're in the driver's seat. They've got more board seats, if you will, on the new company, as they're referring it to, um, where the investment uh, is uh, exclusively the public investments funds to make. um, And how uh, the Live Tour, you mentioned, you know, Greg Norman thrown overboard. It does appear that the Live Tour, uh, if this merger, don't call it a merger, does in fact happen, um, would be no more, even though they're supposed to get a good hearing about it, right? With some players coming back into the PGA uh, Tour, yeah. where did where did that go? Where I, how I did that really ev- evaporate over the last month from your what you just said? Well, so Alan? here's the thing: um, on paper, the PGA Tour has more board seats, and they they they've been selling that as we have control. But the overarching lesson of this whole thing is that money always wins. 
And in what business does somebody put all the money in, but they don't have control? That never happens. The public investment fund is putting the money in. They're going to have control, no matter how the board seats are divvied up. And just, just look at look at how we got to this moment. The PGA Tour had a player advisory committee. It had a board of directors. It had a defined governance system. And all that got tossed aside basically over cigars, where uh, Al Rumayan kind of reshaped the entire future of the sport. So they're putting way too much stock in the, um, the the board configuration, I believe, and that also that also goes to this issue of of Liv's future. That's going to be decided by Yasir Al Rumayan, not by Jay Monahan or Jimmy Dunn or or the board itself, um, because it it can remain on this parallel track where the public investment fund can have it both ways. They can keep Liv going, and they have total control of that product. And if they want to play more events in Saudi Arabia, or they want to take it to all these different corners of the world. They can schedule it however they want. They can completely um, use that as kind of this beachhead for whatever else they're hoping to accomplish through golf. The PGA Tour investment, you know, that the, the PIF is, is on the hook for potentially, there's going to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen. They're not going to have that same kind of total control of the schedule and, and the granular details. But it does it does give them this this authenticity and this this stamp of approval from the ruling class that they've been seeking, and it does it does give the PIF entree into all these all the tour sponsors and all the business possibilities there. So, I think they'll they'll keep live going as long as they feel like it has value to them. And um, so I, it's increasingly clear that there will be a live schedule in 2024 uh, because it's going to take so long to get this other deal potentially done. And if the PIF walks away from live, they, they lose their leverage in this larger negotiation. So um, now it's possible that after 24, Yasir will say, you know what, uh, this we had a good run, but I want to put all my eggs in this new company. Um, and that could happen, but it'll be his decision to make, nobody else's. And um, I think that, you know, Liv keeps announcing these sponsorship deals, the individual teams, the league itself. And the things that why there's this antitrust lawsuit is because the tour is fighting so hard to disenfranchise live and, and to marginalize it with its broadcast partners, with its vendors, with its sponsors. Those walls are all down now. And if live can get access to some of the tour distribution channels and, and get some of its tournaments on network TV or ESPN or whatever it might be. If, if they can start cutting deals with all these blue chip companies that the tour has does business with, it's a much more viable business. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily buy what Jay Monahan and Jimmy Dunn are selling. I, I feel like, mm. like you see here is, is really the ultimate shot caller on, on Liv's future. And uh, he's going to, he's going to decide how this thing plays out. The fire pit collectives, Alan Shipnuck on the state of what's going on in the world of, professional golf as we have hit the open championship week uh right here on the rich eisen show so how's this all going to play out um at royal liverpool this week do you think with cam smith coming off of um the live tour as a title defender this was his last i think his, his the open championship was his last win prior to bolting for the live tour last year uh what do you have for me on on your crystal ball for the week yeah, blessedly, once we get to uh, Thursday and they start, they start counting the scores at Royal Liverpool. All this, all this stuff will recede in the background, and it'll just be about, you know, my favorite golf tournament of the year. And yeah, I mean, Cam Smith is dangerous. He's been, he's been playing well all year. Um, Royal Liverpool is, is a quirky little bandbox of a golf course. You know, when Tiger won there in '06, and he famously swung driver only once the whole week. I mean, it's really a finesse position kind of golf course. You can't overpower it. Unlike the old course, and you know, Cam Smith's not a bomber. He he just has such a mastery around the greens um, that he's dangerous anytime he tees it up. But especially on a, on on this week where he he's not losing strokes off the tee. Um, of course, Rory McIlroy's coming in as the headliner and, and certainly the favorite after his rousing you know, walk-off birdie on the last hole at the Scottish Open yesterday. So, And Rory won in 2014, the last time that the Open was played at, at, at this golf course. So 
you you feel like the stars are aligned for him to finally break this you know brutal almost decade long drought in the major cha- championships. But you know, with with Rory, it's metaphysical. Obviously, his game is in a good place, and but can he can he filter out all this other stuff? And and he more than anybody put his his reputation on the line from this battle between the tours and you know. Jay Monahan, Jimmy Dunn, they sort of tore open his chest cavity and ripped out his heart and mm. stepped on it with metal spikes. I mean, Rory had been the leading advocate and spokesman for against the Saudi money. And so you could see that at the U.S. Open, especially at the start of the week, he looked a little deflated. He, of course, he found his game because he's just so good and wound up finishing second. But maybe he's unencumbered. Maybe he's been freed up and he can finally say, you know what, I'm out. I don't care about this politics. You guys deal with this. And he could he could just keep things a little more simpler, and his mind will be a little less cluttered, and and he can just freewheel it because Rory McIlroy is so good at golf. You see it every week, except for the majors. Like he just has to get out of his own way and just play his normal game, and that's good enough. So uh, because of the good mojo of returning to this this golf course, and because of the the macro developments in the sport, I mean, it feels like it's Rory's week, but. We shall see. Well, I, I hope he does play that way, Alan. And I hope he does view it that way. Although I got to be honest, everybody who who, who I speak to as well um, tells me that that aren't Rory and Jimmy Dunn tight. Like, did Rory not get a heads up at all? Did he not know at all that this was happening, coming in the works over cigars? No zero heads up from Jimmy Dunn, right? At all, Alan. Yeah, so they are tight, and and Jimmy actually got Rory's father a membership at, at Seminole Golf Club in Florida, which is one of the inner sanctums of the sport. Right. And you know, Jerry McElroy is his former blue collar bartender. He does not fit the profile of the typical Seminole member, to say the least. So um, it, it does tell you the closeness of of those families. Rory had an inkling because he had actually, and this came out in the uh, the Senate documents. Rory had sat down with Yasir Al Ramayan in uh, no- November at, at the season ending European tour event in Dubai. And they had this sort of philosophical chat and agreed that the sport needed to be reunified. And that was actually an important moment. It was sort of the first olive branch between these warring tribes. And then this, this guy, Roger Devlin, British um, businessman and fig- big figure in the game. He had set up that meeting, then he used that in his letter to Jimmy Dunn to begin this correspondence between the two sides, saying, hey, Rory and Yassir sat down, it went well. And So Rory knew that there was communication going on, but he really didn't know that it, it was going to happen this fast and the sweeping nature of of uh, how it, what was going to be agreed upon. So I mean, he, was, he, he was as surprised as the rest of us, I think, in the end. And um, and that's part of the problem, you know. If you, I don't know if you watched the Senate subcommittee hearings; they were morbidly fascinating. But the senators kept coming back to this point with, with Jimmy Dunn and then Ron Price, who's the COO of the PGA Tour. Is they kept saying, you, "You're calling yourself a member organization. How could your members not know what was happening? How could you not include them in, in the negotiations and the conversations?" And they didn't really have a good answer for that, other than, you know, confidentiality was important, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, not only is Rory close to Jimmy Dunn, Rory is on the board of directors of the PGA Tour. I mean, of anybody, he should have been in the loop. So the cloak and dagger nature of the negotiations remains interesting. I mean, I get it. There was a lot at stake. If it had gone public, there would have been such blowback. It it could have just dynamited the whole deal. So I understand why they were so secret, but it is fascinating that they didn't let Rory and maybe one or two other key players into the conversation. Uh, But I think ultimately... You know, the grown-ups, the money guys, had decided what they wanted to do, and they didn't want any interference, and they didn't want any naysayers. So, uh, last one for you, Alan Shipnuck, the Fire Pit Collective, uh, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. This may sound flippant, but it is not. And um, it is born out of the best-of-all-worlds document that got released by the U.S. Senate subcommittee that the Live Tour sent to the PGA Tour. And again, any negotiation, if if emails... Uh, throughout a negotiation gets sent out. Uh, the YOLO requests from one person to the other, when they finally hit the light of day, may not look very good. I, I, so I totally understand that. But you said about 10 minutes ago to start this off that 
the Saudis, Piff, Yasir has the upper hand, essentially, here. And that if this thing goes away, the live tour continues, the Saudis just keep pumping billions into it, and they also now don't have the threat of a lawsuit over their heads, so they have the upper hand. Would Yasir truly pitch all of that for a green jacket? I'm serious. Is that possible? Uh, you laugh, yeah, but I what mean, do you think? Like, it would be just all – for if he gets the green jacket no, – no, it, It's very serious because this has been the, – the overarching question to all of this is what do the Saudis want? What is their end game here? And a big part of the answer is they want acceptance in the upper echelon of Western society. Mm-hmm. They want validation. They, they want to be seen – um, as you know, modern and as important in the Western world, there is no greater symbol than that than, of that than a green jacket and a, and being welcomed into the ultimate club, which is of course Augusta National. So, I mean, the answer is probably yes, because that would that would give Yasir and by extension the Saudis the stamp of approval they've never been able to get from from the ruling class of, of America, of, of, of Europe. I mean, no king, no ambassador has ever been welcomed like, like Yasir would be if he were to be made a member of Augusta National and the RNA, which is also yep. given to that same document. So um, now it, the, the surest way to um, not get a green jacket is to publicly advocate for a green jacket. So the chances of becoming an Augusta National member just went to zero because the last thing the good old boys down in Augusta, Georgia want is to be seen as this bargaining ship and, and this transactional thing. So um, unfortunately for Yasser, it's never going to happen because that document was made public. But it does it it, it does get to the heart of the matter and in, in in the black and white agate of a appendix of a Senate, you know, subcommittee document, it's like this is what it's all about. And it was it was a fascinating little uh, nugget in you know buried within a lot of pages of of, of interesting uh, discovery. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean to. I, I, honestly, that wasn't asked as being flippant because it would just be amazing. No, I know. If all of the recriminations and and negotiations and the upper hand and the shifting sands, for the lack of a better phrase, that we're seeing is uh, as this agreement is just an agreement to get an agreement, uh, and how now it's a month old and how things have changed or shifting one way or not. That if if Yasser Al Rumayan gets a green jacket or an, on an RNA membership, it's all over. And uh, and the board seats. Who cares? He's got a jacket. Uh, uh, that's the way it kind of looks like, you know. But as you point out, Alan, you know, when you talk about Fight Club, you don't you don't you don't get in. So I guess my last question for you is: What is uh, more likely? Um, Yasir gets a green jacket, or you get a care package of capes from the High Flyers uh, at the Live Tour, <laughs> um, Alan? What's more likely? I mean, I would legit rock that cape, uh, at least on Halloween. Um, you know? Yeah. What I mean, do you think? It's an amazing moment in golf. And it's even a subtext to all of this is, you know, Jimmy Dunn is the president of Seminole Golf Club. And other PGA Tour member uh, board directors are members there, as is Seth Waugh, who runs the PGA of America. Um, and there's, one of the things this has brought to light is this this cabal of these old-timey golf guys who have had absolute power in the golf world, the Seminole guys, the Augusta National guys, this is the first time that they've ever been threatened and that outsiders have come in and really shaken up the sport. And to, to see their flailing, and um, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it, it's something that I delve into. You know, I'm writing a book about this whole, this whole bit, mm-hmm. uh, this whole war between the tour and, and live golf, and it, I've talked to a lot of people about it, and so there's the, the green jacket news break is is more impactful than people realize because it really it really is revealing. And um, I think Phil Mickelson is probably not going to send me a Hot Flyers care package, <laughs> but I could imagine that, that a Live Golf flack might. So I think that's probably I probably have a better chance of getting a cape. Okay than Yasir does of getting a green jacket at this point. That's the answer I was looking for. Thank you, Alan. You're always a straight shooter. Uh, Enjoy Open Championship Week and look for more of my calls. Appreciate it.
I look forward to it. Thank Thanks. You. you got it. The Fire Pit <laughs> Collective's Alan Shipnuck right here at Alan Shipnuck on Twitter and Instagram. I follow him. You should as well right here on the Rich Eisen Show. More likely he gets a high flyers cape from Team Mickelson than Yasir gets a green jacket. I'm 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 not kidding, right? Don't you when you when I saw that it leapt it was, out at me and I I know it's YOLO. What? Seriously, like any negotiation, yeah. any negotiation. You don't get what you don't ask for. Uh, honestly, I, I have suppose, asked for stuff yeah. from you know, yeah. when I'm in a negotiation with NFL network, you'd be like, Really? You asked for that? Yeah. What's what's one thing that you uh I asked to form a production company with them. Nice. You know what I got back? There was sand and I pounded it. Yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of ha ha ha. No, I'm serious. No, they're just, they're, they're, they weren't wired right. for that sort of request from an on air individual, no matter how many years I've had there. Right. But I tried. Then there's an email chain, I'm sure. And it, if it comes out in the subcommittee, it wouldn't be, you know, it, it would be weird or awkward, just like this. It's but this is telling. Mind. It's just like, hey, while we're, you know, talking about coming together, how about uh, I get a green jacket? <laughs> and his point is it's not that audacious for him to ask it in his mind. It is to Augusta National. And if Augusta National gives it to him, now it looks like their green jacket is a commodity, not a specialty, right. not a rarity. It's now a commodity. And I can't imagine a jacket has not been a commodity ever. Ever. Right? In the history of Augusta National. Maybe it hasn't been, truly. I don't know. But his, his point is, is uh, he didn't laugh at all. Well, he did laugh. And then he's like, that's actually a, a serious, germane question. He also said asking for it won't get it, so you should stop That's, asking. Oh, I'm not, I'm not asking. Right, like like Nick Saban. That <laughs> oh, I'm asking like. for a high flyer's cape. Quit asking. <laughs> I want a cape, don't you? Uh, have, yeah. we ever, have we seen these capes? I'm not. Way? Didn't George Costanza's father's lawyer have a cape? Have a cape. Yeah, well, that was, that was Larry David. It was right. LD. Right. And a cape, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, and Batman, Crusader. I don't yeah. know how many other capes. Zorro? Super, Superman, Zorro. Yeah. Um, I'm not a cape guy. Cape. I'll rock a cape. Cod? <laughs> that's, the, that's your cape? cape God, that is that's my, more that of your is, cape? That is definitely Very my, good. My Give me speed. a cape. Hey, great news for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. And I, I can't wait to get to that. This is that's probably next. not great news no, just because you're kind of a great, hater. Excuse me. You know, oh. How dare you? Well, There's I mean, no haterade being sprayed around here, sir. Are you sure about that? This are, it's called a quote and a fact, and it is good news for you and Cowboys Nation. Mm-hmm. 844-204-H <laughs> number to dial. I wouldn't change the dial if you have one. That's next. Do I call you uh, a free agent quarterback sitting here? What do I call you? Dak? I don't know. This is my first time going through this. Uh, you tell me. Call me whatever, I guess. I will call you Dak Prescott. That works. I'm going to ask you the, the question this way about what contract you think you're going to get. Okay, in terms of pie. Because I've heard there's less pie. I've heard there's, there's more less pie. pie. That's right. There's, the, there's, there's Jerry Jones right there, the voice of Jerry Jones. We've heard there's less pie. We've heard there's more pie. Uh, I'm wondering if you think... This is deep dish pie. How deep is is it a deep dish pie? If I'm guessing, I'd say yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, is it franchise pie? I would say. You'd say? Well, no, I mean, I don't know what kind of pie we're talking franchise about. Franchise tag I mean, pie. Is excuse it called, me. I mean, is it franchise tag pie? Oh, I don't know. I mean, long term uh, pie. Is it long term pie? I don't know. I just want a piece of the pie. Just put it like that. Okay. Uh, I'm getting hungry. Right? I mean, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. Is it is it a pie that that starts with a four? Is it a pie that starts with a four? I, I could just said uh, I'm leaving up to my agents to cut my piece of the pie. Uh, okay. I'm just ready for it and ready to eat. So okay. when that happens, I'm ready to get to work and I'm excited for for this offseason. And now we've also heard through Demarcus Ware told us that when you sit in Jerry's office, have you gotten the Jerry's office meeting yet? I've been in Jerry's office. Okay, and that he lights a candle turns the lights down and gives you a whole Dallas Cowboys speech. Have you had that? You have not had that yet? No, okay. I haven't had that one yet. He says that that happens when he's trying to close a deal. <laughs> so I think you'll know that you're really close if you well, walk the lights in. lights turn off. Lights okay. go down. 
Thank, Jerry thank you for that uh, that warning and that heads up. So there's, now I know like what's going on when that happens. There's apparently a votive candle with a Dallas Cowboys star right on the side of it. I don't know if it's scented. It's make me to smell. It make me the smell of pie of some sort. Right. I'm just saying. That hasn't happened yet, is what you're saying. <laughs> it hasn't happened. Okay, when you it get that call, happened. you know, wow, I'm close. Okay. Boy, every time I watch that back, it gets more awkward. <laughs> Not going to lie. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, um, Dallas Cowboy football. They should sign Ezekiel Elliott. I'm waiting for that news to cross. I'm waiting. I think you're right. That's a good move. I'm waiting for the news to cross. A dozen touchdowns last year. Let's bring the band back together. Tony Pollard signs a tender and looks like he's going to play for $10 million. You know, Zeke's just got to, I guess, to do the Pulp Fiction thing, not let pride mess with his mind. But What's the deal, though? Like one year, know. $4 million, something know. like that? Or a three-plus If I'm the Cowboys, just call him up and say, what's your, what's your number? And hear it from him and then whittle it down if that's what you really need to do, quite frankly. just I mean, fans love him. He knows the system. He might just, as you pointed out last week, just, I don't want to hear from you. You know, I don't want to hear from you. You yeah. didn't, you know, I don't want to hear from you. Look, I've been in that situation. I know. You know. So, you know. the And plus, you, you join an offense that uh, was on tilt last year. And uh, the quarterback is going to be vastly improved. All i got to do is ask him. <laughs> I love Dak, man. He's Don't been here. Like he's a sweetheart of a guy, and he is better than most. Not according to the internet. Better than most. I understand you make your top five list. He's not on it. You make your top ten list. He's on it. Is he? He's not. Oh, I don't know, man. Well, I I put the number ten out there for the moment because that appears to be the magic number of interceptions he will be under this year. You know, double-digit interceptions last year. He said at his, I believe it was a youth camp. I know who I am, and you can go back and take away half of those off drops. I'm not saying it's on the receiver, but if you cut that in half, then we start talking about those. Nobody's talking about it. Some of it is the offense and them understanding exactly where we are. Mike does an amazing job with those guys. They know where to be, why to be when they're getting looked at. That's going to be a big jump. I won't have 10 interceptions this year. I love that. Speak it into existence, Dak. Yeah, I like that. Now, he's also saying some of them were, you know, guy dropped it, guy tipped it, wasn't on me. That's true. And uh, did he take a little bit of a shot at, you know, McCarthy's offense in a way? <laughs> you know where I the didn't... guys are going to be or see it like the guys that. know where to be. And so it's going to be, obviously, we'll just cherry pick what we want to to denigrate him. But, I mean... 15 interceptions last year, it, it just was too many. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest. Just shoot straight here. <laughs> it's always, with the Dallas Cowboys, the weird stuff. Always the weird stuff. Always the weird stuff. Just like cut the- out the weird stuff. Can we cut out the weird stuff? What do I mean by that? As I said, Zeke should come back. Zeke should come back not only because they need him, not only know, because he might know need you're them. With this. Oh, yes. Can I finish this sentence for you? His Cowboys career can't end with, <laughs> with that, that play. weird play. Yeah. <laughs> the snap. Last two seasons ended with the weird. And I understand, you know, both of those situations were desperate. And it yeah. didn't look good anyway. Last year, that thing was over. I don't know what that play was. Oh, two years ago, you know. Dak was hustling. He was hustling. And the uh, the uh, the umpire was not hustling enough. No, but when you but wouldn't. when you're when you're depending <laughs> on the umpire's forty yard dash speed, that's weird. That's weird. Cut out the weird stuff. I know that's something that you can't really come out and fully define. You just know it when you see it. It's kind of like that other thing, you know. Like when your quarterback like runs into his center's butt. Like that yes. type of weird uh, stuff. Yeah. That's, a, that's a sort of yeah, serious. That's that's it's, weird, it's, yeah. you're, you're getting warmer to what I was referring to in my analogy. Look, cut out the weird stuff. Sign Zach, Zeke back and get Dak. Yeah, Zach. You said it right. Yeah, get the Zach. Zeke and Dak. Yeah, Zach, Zeke the and Zach. Dak. Get him back. <laughs> Bring the whole thing back together and, and tee it up and let it fly. You know, last year, PFF, they tracked a stat called turnover-worthy plays. Essentially, that translates to throws that 
were dangerous enough that they should have warranted an interception. Maybe yes, sir. They didn't. And what they found out is he had six picks that were essentially deemed not his fault, meaning guys in the wrong spot. Guys, Noah Brown, for instance, dropping a ball, two balls that hit him in the hand and got picked yep. for pick sixes. So, yeah, I mean, 15's a lot. But not all of those. But yeah. it, it, you can also look at it like this. If you're the quarterback and you throw the ball, it's your fault. And that's how some people are going to view it, no matter what the stats or yeah. PFF. Noah Brown, he, so. he, that was one that just jumps out at you. So, you know, not all Buckeyes are helpful to the Cowboys. <laughs> I'm just saying get the the running back, Buckeye back. Get him back. You need him. You need him. Although, again, I keep saying over and over again, that I don't see in practice, they might, I mean, Deuce Vaughn might be an answer here for a nice little change of pace. and yeah, Maybe. What if he's the next Darren Sproles? Could be. Yeah. From Kansas State. Same school. Yeah. At Rich Eisen Show, vote is Dak a top 10 quarterback heading into this season? Well, it's going to be resoundingly no, because that's what the internet is, a bunch of Cowboys haters. I don't know, I'm looking at the list. I mean, he's... He, he he's could, top 10, I'll do that. that yeah, but guys, even if Again, he was, Malik people Davis, will not allow themselves to vote yes. I keep saying Malik Davis is the backup there and he might not be ready. He might be ready. I don't know. It's what the Cowboys look at in training camp, which is right around the corner. Yes, sir. Tom Curran on why the Pats didn't get D-Hop coming up. You got Geno top 10? No. <laughs> I've got... Hold on a second. Oh, let's dismissive. do it. That was a very quick no. I mean, I'm, Mahomes, look, I'm looking at no, it right no, now. I got you. Mahomes, Burrow, yeah. Allen, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers. That's six off the top of my head. Hertz is seven. Why Herbert above Hertz? I'm just na- naming okay. names. I'm, okay. It's not in any particular order. Obviously, gotcha. Mahomes is, is well, the only one in particular one. order. You got Tua? I, I, I put Dak above Tua. Really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lamar? Um, I put Dak above Lamar, too, right now. Kirk Cousins? Absolutely above Kirk Cousins. Really? You yes. want to check numbers? I got your numbers. I understand. Okay. What about anyone the 49ers throw out there? Mm-hmm. I'll take Dak. Gino? Russ? I'll take over. I'll take Dak over Russ, too. Yeah. What about Stafford? Do you love him? Uh, I take Stafford over Dak if Stafford is healthy. Aaron Rodgers? I already said Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Deshaun? I'll take Dak over Deshaun. Yeah, plus my phone's not ringing at 2 in the morning over anything Dak's going to do. I don't know. Well, okay. No, but that's still, hey, we're waiting to see if Deshaun can do it because we haven't seen him do it in a while because of what he did do off the field, right? What about Daniel Jones? Come oh, on. I'll take Dak over Stop. time. Oh, really? Yeah. The guy who won a playoff game last year? This guy's suddenly now caping for Daniel Jones. I'm not. I'm just pointing out Daniel Jones won a playoff game last year. I understand. Year. I understand. Okay. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I'm high do. on Dak. I'm Jared, high on Dak. Are you forgetting Goff. Dak won the playoff game last year, too? Or? Jared Goff. Tom Curran coming up. 